Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, I am fired up to have Nate Van Kauerberg join our show. Nate is the owner of Next Level Strength Conditioning. He's the head strength coach of the RIT men's hockey team here locally. He's also the Victor High School Strength Conditioning Coach, and he's also a PE teacher there. Nate, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, to have, thanks for coming on. Dr. Russ, you are the man, and I am so so excited to be here. I say fired up 100 times a day. So <laughs> switched it up I, there. But. Yeah, that's why I love it, man. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited for you that you're doing this. I think it's, it's, there's a lot of need for it. So, so just to have some context for listeners, and I don't know if you guys listened to our first episode of the podcast, but again, obviously, I'm very, very um, grateful for Nate and the opportunity to basically have this platform. This platform would not be here without Nate's willingness to kind of take us on and, and obviously let our business kind of materialize and organically grow the way it is so again i'm very indebted to nate and, and the coaches here to be able to kind of put this product out there for people to hopefully kind of consume and be able to kind of implement in their training their performance whatever it may be so um nate why don't you tell us a little bit about your background uh, just so in terms of your education where you went to school yeah maybe your journey just kind of you know being in the performance realm and ultimately ultimately opening next level Sure. Yeah. So I, I, as Russ said, I, I definitely wear a lot of hats and I think kind of how that came about what started, you know, back, uh, my undergrad at, at Brockport, SUNY Brockport here. Um, I went there to play hockey at the D3 level and knew I wanted to do something with kids, knew, knew I wanted to do something with sports. I originally was thinking I, I wanted to be like an athletic director of a school. So I jumped into the phys ed program there, you know, and really just dove in headfirst into all the other things that went along with that. So throughout my time at Brockport, you know, that was uh, early 2000s. And back then, like that's just when some of this functional strength stuff started coming about. And, you know, we were doing the bench press and three mile run every day kind of deal. And not sure why I wasn't improving on the ice until um, my last year, my into going into my senior year, one of my former teammates and actually current RIT assistant coach. So we've stayed connected. David Salako was currently playing pro and in the off season, he was actually working with Mike Boyle in his early, early days in Boston. His girlfriend at the time was, was living in Boston. So he came home and started showing me plyometrics and single leg training and all these different things that I've never did before in my life, even right. going through the program at Brockport, which is a really well-known school for this stuff. And the differences I felt on the ice my senior year, it was like unbelievable. And, you know, from there I caught the bug and I realized my last year is that maybe I want to do more with this stuff, not just the PE side of, of things. So I dove into as much of the exercise science, additional electives as possible. And, you know, a, a phys ed major, we, it's anatomy, ex-phys, kinesiology, biomechanics. So I have a lot of that stuff already, but just knowing I want to do more of that. So anyway, coming out of college, I started working with small groups of athletes. I was coaching high school hockey at the time. So a lot of the kids that were on my teams and just doing it at private gyms and just kind of learning as I went, to be honest. And I look back to some of those early days and although it was better than what I was doing when I was playing, it was like, holy moly. But anyway, <laughs> um, kind of organically grew from there, you know, created a bit of a following and each year that, that grew and grew until 
I added a second location. And again, just working out of other people's gyms, I had another person training with us as well. And then fast forward a few years, had the opportunity to link up with uh, Rory Fitzpatrick, who is a former NHL hockey player who is starting a hockey school here at our current facility and wanted to add strength conditioning. They were going to build out a facility for it. So we linked up and, you know, that's when our current facility opened. So that was 2013, you know, seven years ago now, which is crazy. So really, you know, going from, you know, I'm still teaching phys ed, obviously, and, you know, going from a phys ed teacher to a strength conditioning coach, learning the professional development side of things to make sure what we're doing from a training standpoint is quality and helping people. But now you're thrown in business, which I, you know, to be honest, for me, it was a lot of common sense stuff, but I never took a business class in my life and a lot of learning from mistakes and learning as we go. But for me, it was always about surrounding myself with the best people possible. So the coaches we had at next level in the early days when we opened a lot of really good advice from business people. My brother-in-law is a finance guy and some of his, his people, you know, in his, his circle. And luckily, you know, we caught a lot of, of, of breaks when it comes to how things went compared to how they could have gone, you know, and just, just organically grew, I think, by doing a good job and putting people and quality training first, you know, and, and not trying to make a million dollars in a year, you know, more about like, hey, how can we help people and have that be our primary mission? And then again, like having people like you jump on with us, where what an incredible addition to what we can do and the quality of service that we can provide people outside of just the training has just been such a blessing. And it's literally, you know, I, I, I say everything that we've been able to do is, has been because of the people around us. So at this point with next level, you know, I'm still teaching phys ed. I'm the director of strength conditioning there where I do most of the programming and the scheduling things. I have a coach, Jake Topple, who's actually on our next level staff as well, does all the hands on there. So it's more of a director position, you know, and now next level is really just the business side of things for me, you know, and I never thought that that's where I would end up. And, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, but I've got such an amazing staff of coaches, Mike Moonjor, Atari, and everybody else who I can totally trust to provide a quality product there. So then the RIT hockey thing kind of came about six years ago now where they reached out to me and it was actually through David Salako there that I mentioned earlier. And it was an opportunity for us to, for me to kind of scratch that coaching itch that I still had because I was more of a director and a business side of things when it came to the strength conditioning piece. Hockey's still my love. Uh, Miss team, the team atmosphere. So being part of a team is something that I, I crave. And, you know, it also at the same time, it, it added a little credibility to us as well on the next level side of things, working with a division one program. And, right. you know, it, it just seemed to make a ton of sense. And luckily I've got an amazing wife who's very understanding that I can wear all these hats. And since then I've been able to kind of whittle down my plate. So I'm able to focus on what I am doing a hundred percent. So yeah. that's a really, really long story, kind of short, but <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, so maybe Nate, can, maybe let's speak to kind of next level a little bit more, and just kind of you know the philosophy as to what what it comes to when it comes to strength conditioning, performance training, maybe specifically breaking it down for either the the youth athlete, right, which we see a lot of here, but also maybe the weekend warrior, kind of that functional fitness for the adult that we're talking about as well. Right, and we we see a lot of different people at next level, from youth athletes with the teams that we work with, you know, young kids, through a lot of high school and college athletes to pro athletes. And then we have our adults as well. And that's anyone from 
recent college athletes that are retired to, you know, we've got a couple in their seventies and everything in between, you know, so there's a lot of different philosophies and methods and systems that fall within that big umbrella. But the constant for us is always movement trumps everything. And really the quality of movement has to be the focus. And there's so much garbage out there as, as you and everyone else know. And really what, what our focus always has to be is the quality of movement. Of course, we have a philosophy when it comes to programming. And really it's that everything has a purpose and it's connected to the goal of the person. So, you know, an 11 year old athlete, golfer, hockey player, whatever, and a 65 year old house, you know, grandmother, let's say is, is a lot different. So although some of the exercises in those populations are going to be similar, the purpose has to be specific. So really making sure that first and foremost, every movement looks good from there. When you assign an exercise or a pairing or a complex or a circuit and you assign sets and reps to something, it's meaningful and it's connected to that person based on their training age, based on their biological age, based on their goals, based on their functional needs, based on their skill level. So it's really just making sure that everything that's done on our floor is done correctly. And then there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, when we look at our higher training age, high performing athletes, you know, we do work with a, a, a good group of pro Division one hockey hockey guys and some high level um, athletes and other sports as well some pro lacrosse and you know some high level golfers and stuff too. That's when you need to get into some specific periodization and systems and methodologies. But outside of that, like for the most part, it's it's very you know linear progressions. It's uh, you know progressive overload. It's very systematic skill progressions and regressions based on the situation just so that it looks good, you know? And then from there, it's obviously the buy-in too. Like people need to want to be there. It's the art of coaching. And that's why I prioritize our staff as, as our number one asset is people have to want to be there and know why they're there and, and live the life outside of the gym. Like there's so much more to performance than just the exercises and sets and reps. Um, so it's really quality first, you know, and our goals are always going to fall in that hierarchy is like develop the person first, make sure we're doing no harm on the floor. Everything is safe, making sure we're decreasing the risk of injury on their sport. And then obviously it's performance. So based on their goals and that's, that's kind of how we program for different people. And I think too, like the philosophy, I think resonates, it resonated well with me. You know, obviously, you know, when we talk about taking care of the person first, right. It, that's not just coming down to sets and reps. It's talking about, Hey, how's your sleep? How's your nutrition? How's your stress? All these different things that I think has a tendency to kind of fall by the wayside. And again, like you said, making sure that they want to be there. They want to, they want to make sure that the environment and the culture that they're coming into, they, they value that so that when they come there, they know they one, they're there to work, but also they're there to have obviously a supporting family as well. For sure. Absolutely. So let's do this. And again, you know, the reason why I want to kind of talk about this, because even though this is a golf specific podcast, I think a lot of the training principles when it comes to youth athletes can be, can resonate with the golfer, right? So, you know, obviously when we talk about our model here at Next Level, um, we, talk, we talk about the group training model, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there with regards to group training and maybe how parents or coaches look at that as maybe it's not individualized enough for certain sports or certain athletes. Mm -hmm. maybe, can you, maybe kind of speak about, just maybe what you would tell maybe the parent or the coach, what they should know about group training and how best it can maximize an athlete's potential in that type of setting. 
Right. And I, I think we've seen a big shift in our field over the past handful of years where, you know, one-on-one training is, is pretty rare now. And I mean, obviously people are still doing it, but at least in facilities like ours, performance-based facilities, almost everything is done in small groups. Right. And I think the reason is because of the benefits to that. You know, if you're an athlete, if you're a golfer and you want to come in and improve your your golf game, like a lot of, a lot of people are going to be more motivated to come in when there are other people to train with them. There's an accountability factor. There's a motivation factor. There's a culture piece there. There's, um, you know, you can, you can have fun, you know, you can have fun play, you know, training on your own as well, but there's, there's a lot more from a culture standpoint in that group setting. So the way that we offer things, it's anything from small groups of three all the way up to, to teams, you know, and I think no matter what the size of the group some constants have to be there. And I think the first thing is that just like I said before, our philosophy, you know, every single exercise prescribed has to have a meaning for each individual person. And that doesn't mean if you have a a group of 10 people, there are 10 completely different programs, but there better be some individualized modifications for each individual person. So first and foremost, making sure you're doing some type type of assessment before they come in. What are their goals? Um, what are their functional needs? What are some individualized things that we need to, we need to focus on? But then from there, the next most important thing that needs to be constant, regardless of the group side is, is the coach to athlete ratio. So if you have a, a group of 10 people, if you have a group of 20 people, the, the coaches need to add and fluctuate based on that. And we, you know, really have a goal of at least six to one coach to athlete. And, you know, some of our bigger teams at times, it it may be a little higher than that, but, you know, we've been able to create a system where with that, that lower end coach to athlete ratio, you know, even if there are a lot of people on the floor, we have a, a big enough facility with plenty of equipment. Each individual person can get, first of all, an individualized program and modifications. But next, someone always has eyes on them. It's not like, here's your program, I'll be over here. It's you're constantly having someone watch what you're doing, providing feedback, mm-hmm. making modifications on the spot if necessary. Mm-hmm. At no time is a program just designed and then it never changes. It should mm-hmm. constantly be fluid based on the situation, based on monitoring, based on progress. So that's what true quality group training should look like. Um, we have also seen the, the polar opposite in our field and, you know, where it's just a big group of people, one coach and the workouts on the board. And, you know, that's a lot of potential for there to be injury, for people not to see the exact results that they're looking for. So going back to our philosophy and that hierarchy of, you know, our, our goals for any, anyone we train, you know, that's, going to be maintained in that group setting if we can we can have individualized programs for each person and if we can you know have that good small coach to athlete ratio yeah and again too i think when you you look at you know the way the the floor is set up you know even if like there are multiple let's say teams at at on the floor at one time there are other coaches that are always looking right and keeping Mm. an eye on the other groups and things like that to make sure that again we're 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 doing our best to help each other out right so We want to make sure that, again, we do no harm, that kids, when they're on the floor or adults are on the floor, they're, they're maximizing their ability to perform a movement you know, to the best of their ability without obviously reduce, with reducing the risk of them getting hurt. I think that can go a long way in providing, again, that atmosphere that makes athletes feel like they're, they're maximizing their ability to kind of get what they need out of the program itself. Right, for sure. So let's talk about you know, the correlations, right? So obviously in your experience in training hockey athletes from youth all the way up to the professional level, now, obviously, there's a lot of similar qualities with regards to just the rotational sport athlete, whether you're talking about baseball, hockey, mm-hmm. golf, whatever it may be, right? But 
ultimately what you can, and again, obviously you can speak to this too, because when we see a lot of the hockey guys that we go play golf with, <laughs> they can, they can swing the sticks, right? So, yeah. you know, what is something that you see um, translates or you think translates well when it comes to training for, let's say a rotational sport? Yeah. And I, I think we, like we've worked with a lot of golfers, as you know, um, yeah. you know, even before you were with us, like Gunnar Doyle, who's a, a big local guy came mm-hmm. through and, with the golf Academy, we work with some other individual golfers. We were with Brian Jacobs for a while working with his people. So we've worked with a lot of golfers and really, I think one of the major misconceptions is that we are training them mimicking the golf swing in our setting. And that's, that's rarely the case. And the end goal is rotational power, as you know, but that's not the first step. Right. So what we want to do and, um, you know, you can talk to any of the golfers we've worked with and, and a lot of other golfers out there that are preaching the same message and, and strength coaches that work with golfers is we need to build the foundation first. Yeah. Golfers are athletes. And I think in the, in the past you know, handful of years here, when you see some of these guys like Rory and, you know, Brooks and all these other guys who are athletes compared right. to some of the old school guys, potentially like, you know, that's what we need to focus on first is we need to train the athlete. If we skip steps and we go straight to that rotational power, they're going to be leaking power. They're going to be leaking efficiency. So really we start like any other athlete. We want them to be able to coordinate specific movements throughout their body. And as you know, Russ, when we look at the whole purpose for training, it's transferable adaptation, right? And when we work with golfers and they, do things that have really no relation to an actual golf swing, but then they come back raving about the, the extra distance or the control or whatever. It has so much to do with the nervous system. Like when we're on the floor and we're training, regardless of what we're doing, we're training their nervous system. We're teaching right. their brain to talk to their body and coordinate through compound movements. Right. So when they can take that nervous system adaptation and learning and then apply it to their golf swing, you know, even without doing anything that looks like a golf swing, they're going to have an insane amount of improvements, being able to coordinate through the swing, being able to maintain balance and control at all aspects of the swing. And then from there, it's movement quality. Like we have golfers in the past that, that couldn't touch their toes and like, couldn't, you know, put their arms over their head. And it's like, you know, although that's not specific to the golf swing, the, the more efficiently I can move um, through full range of motion, the, the more it's going to apply to my golf swing. Yeah. But then from there, we start to, once we have that movement and that coordination piece in place, now we can start to focus on foundational strength. And, you know, if you Google, you know, or YouTube, Rory and some of these young stud athletic golfers, like they are deadlifting and squatting and rear foot split squatting. And like, they are training like an athlete because they are. So from there, we build that foundation of strength and functional strength. It's going to be compound movements, um, utilizing all aspects of, of their body. From there, we get into that power and the speed component at high velocities. And, you know, as you know, hockey and baseball and lacrosse and golf, all of these rotational components, you know, if I go right to those rotational med ball swings that look like a golf swing or a hockey shot or a lacrosse shot, I'm missing so much. So really, if we can build that solid foundation for them to be able to apply those rotational powerful movements, they're going to get much more out of that. So we do a ton of rotational power stuff with all of our high level rotational athletes, obviously, 
but that's like the shingles and the, you know, siding to the house. We need to build the solid house first. And that's where I think a lot of people in the golf community potentially are missing the boat and, and skipping steps. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of misinformation there is that, you know, when it comes to training, it needs to be so specific and it needs to look like the golf swing when in actuality, there are a lot of other characteristics physically that you can build on and improve and enhance that will translate really, really well to the golf swing itself. Like you said, deadlifting, be able to hinge, right? When we talk about the golf position and golf posture, like being able to hinge and be strong with that because yeah, when you talk about the golf swing, you're doing it with speed and power over 18 holes, 36 holes, whatever it may be. If you don't have the capacity or the ability to handle that stress over an extended amount of time, that's usually when you start to see either uh, bleed some of that efficiency like you're talking about, but you might start to see some of these injuries start to kind of creep up because the body's not readily able to handle some of that stress that we're talking about right now. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, you know, we've, we've had some really high level, level golfers and golf coaches come to us about their athletes and we'll kind of express that philosophy to them. And sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know if that's really the way that I want to do this. And then after actually experiencing it, it's like, you know, they are sold for life. And, you know, it really is about how can I build a solid foundation so that I can apply these these things to my swing and not just from there, like you need to be durable. Like you are swinging a golf club thousands and thousands of times a week. Like you need to be durable to do that. And you know, that's another big part of quality comprehensive strength conditioning that in the past, some golfers have missed um, the boat on. And I'm so, you know, excited that that culture and and the golf community has shifted. And I think like, like people that you work with and like yourself, like making the shift is, is huge for the game. And when you look at the, the golf athlete, right, and we, we talk about golfers as athletes, right, the athleticism these guys display now is incredible, right? So mm-hmm. you look at guys like Brooks Kepka and Rory and Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth of the world, even Tiger to an extent, even he's mm-hmm. an older guy. I mean, he was basically who brought the whole training aspects into the whole golf realm, right? He's the one who kind of really kind of shifted the culture a little bit. And when you look at those guys, yes, they do some rotation components, but you look at some of their videos, they're deadlifting. Like you said, they're yeah. squatting. They're doing all these heavy compound moves. Brooks, Brooks Kepka will do a full training session before he even plays around, right? Yeah, so nuts, right? I think when you look at that, I think they're almost elevating the strength conditioning or the performance enhancement in the golf community. So that whether you're a young coach, young athlete, whatever it may be, they see that these golfers are doing things at a high level and then maybe they need to invest in doing this in order to maybe kind of get to that point. Absolutely. I agree. All right, so let's do this. What are some things that, again, whether it's a, a youth golf athlete or maybe even just like a, a recreational adult athlete who like goes to play on the weekends, what's the number one thing you maybe see when, when it comes to what they might struggle with? Yeah, and I think it was a lot of what we just talked about with people just skipping steps and yep. going right to the specific movements without yep. building a solid foundation. Um, so, you know, we work with a lot of people at all ages and they have a reason to be in the gym, um, you know, and no one can tell the person what that reason is. But if the reason is truly to improve at their sport because they love their sport, you know, they're going to have much more um, progress and they're going to see much more results than if they're there just because their dad is making them go or, you know, because they think they have to do it. Right. So if, if they want to be there, they're going to, they're, they're going to really put as much into it as possible and, and see results. So for, for me, I think some of the, the big things that, that people are missing is why are they there? 
Yeah. And I, I think really answering that question before you walk into our door is going to save everybody a lot of time and you're going to get way more out of it. So come to a training facility for the right reasons. It's right. because you truly want to improve and you have specific goals and this training is going to help you uh, improve those goals. And I, I think another big thing we see, and I think this is a little more specific to younger kids and athletes. And sometimes, you know, people lose passion because it becomes more of a job. Like we had a, a call with Dr. Gonzalez, um, who is a, a sports psychologist at Dartmouth, who used to be on our staff before he moved away about just the mindset during this whole coronavirus situation. And, you know, he's, he, his advice for our athletes was basically like, go back to being a young kid that just was in the driveway doing this because you loved it. Like before someone told you, you were the best of the best and you have a future in this sport and it became a job, like go back to that mindset of being passionate because you love playing, you know, and I, you know, I love playing golf and I know you do too. And, you know, I'm more of a recreational guy. And sometimes if I'm not hitting the way that I want to, I shut down and I freak out and I get mad. And like, you have to remember it's a game. Like, although you might have some goals to play in college or go on the tour or whatever your goals might be. Or maybe if you're an adult, like, you know, win your club championship or being able to break a hundred, who knows? Like if you have these goals, like don't forget why they're your goals. You know what I mean? Like stay passionate and excited to play. And it's a, it's a game. So we see that across the board with all sports and people just get too specific too early. People, you know, are training because they have to, not because they want to, and because it's going to help them reach their goals. And then just people lose sight of the fact that, you know, you, you play a game because it's fun. And, you know, I I think those are, there are three things that potentially we see too often. And we try to, again, on our wallets, you know, there's a quote about character. And I think we always have to tie it back to that human element and emotion and character and all these different things. And how can that really improve not just the quality of your sport, but the quality of your life too. Yeah. And I think too, like when we talk about, obviously this is a whole different conversation, maybe for another podcast, but when we talk about specialization and golfers or whoever's, whatever athlete is playing X sport for however long since they were this age, you know, when, when they finally get to the point, I think of wanting to train or getting to the point where let's say mom or dad wants them to train, they might not really be in it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they might kind of get, get to the point where like, yeah, I'm not exactly sure this is something I want to do long-term. And like you said, I think, understanding why you're there before you even enter the doors it can go a long way in helping you one figure out whether or not this is something you actually want to invest in but two gives us an opportunity to figure out okay well if it's not something that you really want to try and truly maybe enhance or kind of whatever but let's just try to talk about hey how can we improve your quality of life physically right are there other things that we can do to kind of make sure that you stay healthy stay fit so you can be athletic for as long as you can be yeah absolutely all right, so let's do this. Let's transition to what's in the bag. I want to know what Nate's hitting. All right, so, you know, a lot of our golf uh, listeners like to kind of hear what you know, our guests are swinging. So let's hear what Nate's got in the bag. Well, you've golfed with me, and you know that I'm scratch. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy if I'm in the 80s, Dr. Russ. But I've, I've got some Callaway. I brought them in here. Some Callaway X-Tours. Ooh. Look at this, Dr. Look at this puppy. I, uh, these, are, these are secondhand from Trevor Sousa. Who there I'm you not- go. But I bought those from him when he when he moved up. I've got a uh, a Nike. What do we got? What is it called? Nike. Uh, some kind of Nike driver. <laughs> and then what I wanted to show you, and I, I don't think people are gonna be able to see this, but this is my putter, 
and I've had this for 15 years. I bought it for like $50 from Dick's like 15 <laughs> years ago, Slazzy. And if I had to pick my favorite club in my bag, it's that one. I think I'm a pretty consistent putter. I, I traditionally rarely three putt, and I'm probably going to have a bunch of them this year because I said that. But <laughs> I've, I've tested a bunch of other clubs in the past, other putters, and I just always go back to that one. So that's what's in my bag. Listen, golf's a field sport, right? And I think if, right. especially with the, when it comes to the putter, that's your moneymaker, right? So if you that's can, right, baby. if you can, again, make sure you make the putts when you need to, that can go a long way. And either, you know, when we talk about playing with our hockey guys or stuff like that, that can go a long way, either winning something and not having to dress ridiculously <laughs> or, or not, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, transition to our shotgun round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You're just going to answer them as quickly as you can without really thinking about it, right? Ready? Okay. Favorite golfer? Tiger. Always Tiger. Always Tiger. That book that you had recommended me to read, it's phenomenal. Yeah, Take or, take or Leave is his human past, but always Tiger. Favorite golf brand? Callaway. Title is too expensive for how many balls I lose. <laughs> All right, prefer a drink or snack while playing? It's a progression. I go RX bar and iced coffee, and then I potentially am going to move into a Corona and there you some, go. Beef, some beef jerky. So that's where <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> there you go. What kind of beef jerky are you into? Oh, man, I'm a sweet and, sweet and spicy guy. Nice. Yeah. All right, par three or par five? Always par three. My long game is rough. My short really? game. Really? I would not have expected Always. Oh, is that what you're tripping yeah. my short game? No, I was uh, – <laughs> my favorite club is definitely my pitching wedge. So. Nice. All right, car or walk? Uh, always a cart guy. I, I love the physical aspect of walking, but I'm more of a social golfer. So yeah, same here. Yeah. Get a little radio on, can go right. all the way in there, enhancing the experience. You got it. All right. How about Caddyshack or happy Gilmore? I'm a hockey guy. So it's gotta be happy. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's a nice blend. Both of there for you. That's right. All right. How about favorite golf memory for you? Uh, this was tough. I've never had a hole in one. I've, I've maybe had one Eagle in my career individually. Okay. Um, so I, I had to go with the, my, the best course I've ever played. And that was uh, the dunes in Sanibel, Florida. Nice, Beautiful, beautiful course, you know, walking next to alligators or crocodiles, whatever they are. <laughs> but uh, it was, that was the, the nicest course I've ever played. So that's definitely sticks out. Awesome. All right. So who is someone you would recommend we reach out to be a guest on the show? I mentioned him before, Dr. Gonzalez. So I don't know, um, I'm yeah. assuming you haven't had him on yet, but Not Dr. Yet. Steven Gonzalez, he is the man. And he was a mental training coach for us at Next Level before he moved to Dartmouth. He worked with our RIT hockey team as well. And, you know, I can't express enough how that guy can connect with athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's worked with a ton of golfers. I know he did work with Brian Jacobs when he was in town too. And yeah. just – you know how mental yes. the game of golf is. Like literally you can go from striping it to shanking it in minutes. And I'm talking about <laughs> myself here. You know, if you're not thinking the correct way, so just being mindful and present. And, you know, the best thing about Dr. Gonzalez is he speaks athlete. He doesn't come off as this geeky, you know, doctor, just kind of like you do. No, I'm just joking. No, <laughs> and no, I'm just joking. No, but just like you, man, he speaks the, he speaks the language. And, um, the things that I've seen him do with, with athletes is insane. So I think he'd be a great, a great guest. He's, he's on our list, right? I and mean, he's worked personally with some of our clients as well, too. And it just it, it gives them better perspective with regards to the, the sport, but also just the reality of, you know, hey, listen, remember, this is a sport, right? There is more to it than that. And I think, he, like you said, he, he does a lot of great things that allows athletes to resonate with the message that he's portraying there. For sure. All right. So 
Words of wisdom. Let's let's do two things. Maybe uh, one for the athlete who's looking to kind of improve their performance, but also two, maybe let's say the fitness pro, the strength coach that maybe wants to get into more of the performance side of things. Maybe give us some words of wisdom from you with regards to maybe both of those um, situations and how would you approach it? Yeah, my advice would be the same for both of them, to be honest, is like, don't put the cart before the horse, you know, like focus on building a solid foundation before you get into the bells and whistles. And I think, you know, there are a lot of strength coaches out there that do things more for followers on Instagram than the actual result with their people. And they want the flashy exercise that everyone's going to stare at. And like most of the people you're going to work with are never going to be ready for that. You know what I mean? So like we cannot skip steps in the development process, especially with high school and youth athletes, but even adults, like you have to start with, so now we're talking more to the golfer. How well do you move? How strong are you with compound movements? How powerful can you be? And then we can start looking at how is that specific to your sport. But when you're skipping steps, you'll never get to the point where you potentially can when building that foundation first. Yeah. And I think too, like, if some golf athletes maybe can't get into certain positions or can't move into a full range of motion because limitations, things like that, that's obviously going to influence their, their swing. Right. So if we can enhance certain traits that obviously aren't really golf specific, but can help them overall as a human being that will allow them to hopefully get into those better positions when it comes to golf posture, positioning, whatever it may be. So that maybe can, they can strike the ball a little more consistently. Absolutely. All right. So Nate, for those who maybe want to learn more about you or maybe want to reach out, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, our website is train at nextlevel.com. So train at nextlevel.com. Um, we would love to work with anyone here locally. That's, that's excited about potentially making some improvements to their game. And again, we not only have some great coaches here, but we have great support staff like Dr. Russ and I'm excited for what you're doing here, man. This is great. And I, I, for, for everyone out there that doesn't know this, Dr. Russ is not just the best PT I've ever come across, but best human, man. He's, he's awesome. So hopefully, you know, people, people check everyone, everyone out here at our, at our place. Well, I appreciate it, Nader. All right. So guys, for those who, um, maybe we'll, maybe reach out, maybe give your social media handles as well. Yeah. So it's our, our, our Instagram is um, Next Level Rochester. Mine's Nate Van K nineteen, and then our Twitter is Next Level SCNY. So yeah, check us out there too. Awesome guys, we'll put those in the show notes so you guys can reach out um, however you see fit. Um, thanks so much for listening to the Pain Free Golf Performance Podcast. We'll catch you next time, Nader. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, buddy. Hey everyone, thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do. And then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash painfree golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash painfree golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.